Welcome to the Skillful Warriors Podcast, where we invite courageous connections through discussion, storytelling, and sharing. We are your hosts, Lisa Howard, Justin Green, and Jeremy LeBlanc. Together, we form the Skillful Warriors. Our mission is to create opportunities for individuals to embrace vulnerability and self-exploration through coaching, support groups, and experiential workshops. Our vision is to create a growing community of skillful warriors committed to connecting through courage. A skillful warrior is someone who is on the path of inner work, aiming to balance their life in terms of values, purpose, and skills in connection to the greater good. We are all coaches, and you can connect with us on social media and by going to our website, skillfulwarriors.com. If coaching interests you, schedule a free intro call with a coach of your choice. You know, just avoiding something over and over and over again and not realizing there was like a feeling behind that. There was a reason that I didn't want to go in those doors or, you know, obviously there was a reason I was crying or that I was short with people and so and now it's like well what were the physical sensations that I was feeling right in the moment when I had that and now so for me feeling is very tied into physical sensation just a a subtle sensation like behind my eyes like I'm not actually crying but I'm like oh that's a thing (laughs) like I can just sort of like feel my body like sinking into that place and that helps me recognize it as an emotional experience more so. Mm-hmm. All the time. I mean, I win a lot of debates if I'm in the car or the shower by myself. Adding another person into your own feelings, that dynamic is, is like a whole new level of figuring things out for me. And it turns out that I have a lot of feelings about like letting people down and I want to know if you can wake up after a night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone and still do what needs to be done to feed the children. How many times can we catch ourselves being in a state that's not so lovely and then look at our thought around why that's not so lovely and just accept it and then it goes away. Whereas going, do I have control over and Um, How can I take action in a way that I feel good about? Take the easy way out by actually engaging in a conversation. And they say, however you're showing up right now is all fine. I I don't know, and maybe enlightenment. Um... Today's topic was mentioned earlier is to feel or not feel. That is the question, not just a... uh, taking a little line from Hamlet, but actually we might actually answer this question by the end, to feel or not feel. Um, So I thought we'd start with something basic of answering this particular question or series of questions. What does it even mean to feel something? You know, like how do we know like when we're feeling something and how do we know what we're actually feeling? I think something to add to your first question, Justin, of what were we feeling in the beginning? I realized that um, I was feeling impatient because I want to quickly move past thinking about what I'm feeling <laughs> mm-hmm. or or just like holding that space, right? Because it's um, it sometimes feels like there's not a lot of movement there. There's not a lot of progress, right? And I'd like, you know, 
think I tend to like to be moving. Um, so I think what it means to feel something is just being impatient, being slow, slowing down. Um, and for me, what really helps with that is like tuning into my body to really feel the physical first. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from that is slowing down enough so we can notice more and then maybe starting with uh, noticing what's happening with the body. What I find to be the like awkward challenge is that is that when I'm like just experiencing a lot, like my brain is moving and it's moving fast and I can't quite pinpoint what I'm feeling, uh, slowing down seems like the last thing that it doesn't seem like an option somehow. Like mm. it's very difficult to make the choice to say, I'm going to stop everything so I can slow down enough to experience and try and label and identify and move through the feeling. Like it feels like the last thing that I want to do, even though it's probably the first thing that mm. is going to be the most helpful in getting that racy feeling from feeling a lot of feelings to, to simmer, you know? Do you have a sense of where that, that resistance comes from? The resistance to slow down when you're feeling busy? I mean, question for you, but really a question for everyone, and, you know, including myself. No, I don't, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, I guess if I had to like answer it, uh, maybe it's just the, the habitual part of not feeling for me ha has been my pattern for, you know, 40 years, right? So um, incorporating some other strategy into that isn't the first strategy, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that resistance to say like, well, that's not going to work, right? Or maybe even self-talk and saying that that's not going to be the thing. But true enough, even just, you know, four minutes of meditation, right? And that, that makes a huge difference in like me being able to say, okay, this is, this is what I'm feeling, you know? Mm. And even there's probably more layers to it than that. Mm. Yeah, I can recognize just as you were sharing just my own resistance to feeling things, just the fear around if I slow down, acknowledge what I'm feeling, that means I want to have to actually feel it and two, then have to respond to it, whether that's action or non-action. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, a little bit later, um, which means taking responsibility. And I think, I know when I'm, say, emotionally slash mentally busy, it's a way of saying, oh, I just don't, I don't want to deal with this yet. You know, both in terms of the, like, not wanting to feel, but also that, like, childish resistance of, like, don't tell me what to do kind of feeling, you know? Like, I know it's good for me if someone's like, dude, slow down, try meditation. Be like, no, stop, don't. No, even though that is, that is good, you know? Hear my, my mom's voice. She's on Facebook, so she's watching this. Mom, your voice is lovely, like, most of the time. <laughs> I'm now feeling awkward. <laughs> I think one of the things that stuck out to me from your prompt was, like, you said, how do you know when you're feeling? And that's been um, a journey for me. And the way that I've known that I was feeling a certain way, well, 
sometimes I would just be crying and I would be like, oh man, what is going on? I literally just sometimes I would start crying and not even acknowledge that things were up for me until that point. So that's to say, I really learned to know that I was feeling through watching my actions, like treating someone with a more curtness than I would expect it and just being shocked by my own mm. actions or avoiding something, you know, just avoiding something over and over and over again and not realizing there was like a feeling behind that. There was a reason that I didn't want to go in those doors or, you know, obviously there's a reason I was crying or that I was short with people. And so I have gotten better, but for a long time, I only knew I was feeling when I paid attention to actions that seemed out of my character. And mm. then I would have to be like, what's going on, Mega Mac? And, and figure it out because I think on the Enneagram scale again, like as a seven, our whole purpose is to not feel any kind of pain, any kind of anything uncomfortable. We just want to go, be happy, enjoy life, be adventurous. And so it's been a real trip for me to slow down and, and check in. And that's usually not because of my own self-will of like, oh, I was checking with Megan Mac. It's usually like, oh God, I did something I'm, I'm not proud of and now I need to figure out why. That's great input, having that, that mirror of how you're maybe behaving towards someone else or just how you're behaving. Mm -hmm. Question for you then, do you notice that you're behaving in a, to use your words, like a curt or like a short way when you're feeling something specific or when you're a more general sense, just avoiding feeling something? Does that, if that, if that makes sense? Well, I find it interesting because I've become so in tune of the, my actions, my impulses to do certain things. Um, so usually when I'm curt, it's because I'm impatient with myself, not impatient with somebody else. It's just like I haven't been able to settle into my own being. Like I have some kind of judgment that's going on with myself. And so therefore I put it out into the world by being judgmental or curt with other people. You know, really, it's about my feelings towards myself because everything really is. Um, and so that's one way. But then I also know an avoidance way is a way of me being vulnerable. So maybe I've been vulnerable in a group of people and I wasn't comfortable with that. I'll then avoid. So avoidance is a whole different feeling. You know, so I have all these different actions that I do with certain feelings, um, which I find fascinating in myself. I really relate to the piece around like noticing my actions um, and like often it doesn't get noticed until after the fact, you know, after I've done something that I don't, that I realize like I don't feel good about, that I feel shame or guilt for the way that I acted, then what I realize, what I have started doing is real like going back and kind of like instead of just being, I used to just like have the shame about it and try and just like stuff it and not think about it again. And now it's like, well, what were the physical sensations that I was feeling right in the moment when I had that, when I, when I started, when I did that thing, when I snapped at that person, what was I feeling physically? And can I pay more attention to that physical feeling so that I catch myself first before the sort of like explosion or whatever happens, you know? 
So for me, feeling is very tied into physical sensation. Would we all be in uh, agreement that then figuring out what we're feeling, like putting an actual name on it, uh, a name on the emotion is an interpretation of a physical sensation? I, I think that's really the only, the only way. Right, like it, it starts, the, the warning, the, not the warning sign, but the, like the body syst physical system is the thing that, that alerts you to the experience and then thus being able to label it. Mm. You know, and the, the more efficient I can be at recognizing, like not even saying anger or sadness or happiness or fear, but saying stomach or shoulders or neck or, right, that's the place where I, ha I have to like really tune into. And, mm. and then, like you said, like the interpretation, I think, is, uh, is the next part. You know, it's sort of it's sort of like learning a new language, in a way that uh, for me I, I didn't I didn't have, you know, previous to a couple of years ago. Hmm. I think I agree. Like, I definitely feel that a lot of the time, and like, it, you know, like what Megan Mack was saying earlier about like, just you know, starting with like crying and then figuring out why that's happening from there. Um, I definitely have that sometimes or, you know, it'll just be like a, just a, a subtle sensation like behind my eyes. Like I'm not actually crying, but I'm like, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> um, but I also think, I think sometimes it feels more connected to thoughts for me than physical sensations. If I give myself the space to like go into a, a thought hole about something, um, then I think that the emotion sort of, or my, like my interpretation of the emotions comes more from a thought process than a physical process. What do you notice happening in your thoughts that's different that tells you that you're, there's something you're feeling or not feeling? Mm. I think like I, for me, a lot of times it comes down to like, when I, when I go through like that, process of like thoughts and then feelings um i think it it comes it down to like a nostalgia experience like if i start thinking a lot about something that you know used to be true in my life and isn't anymore or like a connection that i used to have mm. or that used to be positive and now isn't um but yeah i mean i guess now that i'm thinking about it more like there's a there's a physical component to that as well like i'll kind of you know like i can just sort of like feel my body like sinking into that place and that helps me recognize it as an emotional experience more so i'm curious if anyone um can relate to like having the constant mental conversation with someone in your head where you're like rehearsing what you want to say or you're kind of like locked in this conversation with somebody for me, that's a big flag of like, okay, this is something that I need to dig into about why is that conversation? What is it I'm trying to get out of that? And what's really going on at the core of that? Mm -hmm. All the time. I mean, I win a lot of debates if I'm in the car or the shower by myself. <laughs> so good. I think for me, some of it, not all of it, but some of it stems from 
actually wanting to stay connected to what's true for me, like my feelings, my emotions. And in the moment, it can be really hard to notice what's going on. And for, at least for me to not get caught up in what is going on for someone else, whether I'm just um, actually sensing what's going on for them or just even guessing like in, in my thought process, what's going on for them. So sometimes that rehearsing conversations um, allows me to like, work on certain words or phrases or just things that I can sort of pull, pull on from, you know, pull from um, to help me stay true to like what's, what's really going on for me. But, you know, some of that just also, in, I think is surrounded by fear of uh, uh, being heard, wanting to be heard. Um, how will my expression of emotions land on, you know, for someone else and probably, probably just fear around things that involve the other person and not me. I always I'm, called it scenarioizing, you know, like having those having those conversations were just me creating scenarios that that weren't present, and um, it's just it's an indicator to me, and it's not all I don't catch it all the time, you know, it's like it can go on for for a while, fifteen minutes, it could go on for multiple days at a time, mm -hmm. until I finally catch it to say like, oh, this is. I've been having this conversation and the other person's, you know, not even, a, not even around or it's not even a real conversation or it's not even something, you know, this is more about me than it is about them. Because my internal dialogue is that I don't have it right, that I don't see things right and that I don't mm -hmm. trust my own emotions. So one of the things that we were asked to think about before this was, you know, when is it appropriate to show our emotion or, be in our emotion and when is it not? And I feel like that for me is a real struggle when I have to take something I'm emotional about or have feelings about to another person and stay true to my feelings. Because once I have a habit like you, Justin, of taking on the other person's emotions, the other person's reactions or expectations or whatever, I get out of my own and when I get out of my own, then I just, the, the conversation then feels yucky because I'm not allowing myself to stay in my emotion and allowing them to have their opinion. I immediately go into, I'm wrong. I should be feeling that way. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a, so it's hard for me because I feel it's really important for us to pay attention to the stories we're telling ourselves and also honor whatever feeling is there so we can get through it because if we i also feel like if we don't figure out that we have major emotions going on it'll just keep going and keep going keep going until like it's like a raging air horn in your ear that you're having this feeling that needs to be addressed so um i find that interest like adding another person into your own feelings that dynamic is is like a whole new level of figuring things out for me it is and there's there's this level of if if you're not bringing if i'm not bringing my emotions uh, like present and having them be and then adopting the other person's emotions or their feelings or making their their emotions more important than my emotions right then i'm slowly taking taking my stuff and, and putting it someplace else and then it comes out sideways right and that's where i feel like the behavioral aspect is really important for me to notice 
um, and not something that I'm always really connected to, but is, is really uh, a helpful tool for me to know like, oh, right, it's coming out sideways because, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing my part in like bringing my true self to the conversation conversations experiences right so i like keeping that as a as like front and center is is a challenging thing when it's uh, like you know my tendency is to put what i'm experiencing or feeling aside and make somebody else's stuff more important how do we focus on being true to our own feelings and also allow the other person to have theirs like what does that look like I think it takes practice and I think that's my ultimate goal. So I'm like, yeah, like I really think what it takes is the uh, ability to be present to the situation as like, um, kind of like a third part, like an observer to really be an observer and compassion and love for yourself and the other person. I, I don't know. And maybe enlightenment. Um, <laughs> so it's so tricky but you know that's the only thing I can think of is like removal of yourself but still in honor of the two parties I don't know how you do that is is a little bit of letting go of, of the desire to control the outcome right letting go of the desire for the other person to have any kind of to, to impact their experience you know or, or to Letting go of the desire to be attached to what they think, what they're going to do as a result of the conversation, you know, so much. This is coming up a lot for me right now in my work um, because I'm having to tell all of my therapy clients that I'm pregnant. And like, I've, I've had so many feelings in my professional setting that I'm not used to having at all. Um, because I'm like, you know, I'm used to just to like being present in my sessions, but like really being present to like their feelings. Um, and it turns out that I have a lot of feelings about like letting people down and also, you know, about just like having to like make part of the therapy session about me uh, when it's not usually that way at all. Um, so like, like you're saying, Lisa, those expectations about like, I really want this person to like react to what I'm saying in a certain way. And like, you know, I want to be like, so this is happening. I'm going to be gone for a few months. Okay. Sound good. Like, <laughs> you know, like wanting the response to just be like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, but like, that's not, that's not really what I want. Like when I actually can like sit with, all of the dynamics that come with that experience. Like it's, it's not really what I want. And it's like way more fulfilling of a process when I can like just embrace like whatever response comes from me disclosing that. And then like, you know, be in it, like be really in it. Like I got to like be really in it with a kid yesterday and we were like, sitting by the river throwing rocks and he just had like so many feelings and needed to like let me know how mad he was and like it wasn't it wasn't as scary as I thought it would be when it actually happened 
Um, and when I just like let that be real and like sat in it with him. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to do like on a daily basis. And I'm having to confront a lot of like the barriers that I have as a therapist with just like being present with my feelings and the other person's feelings at the same time. I think that there are some things in our emotional life that are too big mm. to feel all at once. And so like we have protections that are installed that uh, kind of keep us from feeling it entirely, but then we can like manage it in pieces. But I think like, you know, the more we can recognize and, and do this like day-to-day, let's just say day-to-day uh, uh, playing with, with recognizing our emotions, the bigger our capacity gets to handle, handle bigger, more intense, longer term emotion, if that makes sense. But if, if we're not doing the daily practice, you know, like I use like playing guitar as a metaphor, right? Like everybody who says, like, oh, I want to learn to play guitar. I'm like, pick the thing up for 10 minutes a day and don't worry about following a lesson, just make noise. And then eventually you'll start putting things together and your capacity to play will be longer. And by the end of the year, 365 days later is what? 3,600 minutes or something like that. That's a lot of guitar playing and you'll probably be able to play some music. I feel like our capacity to handle the bigger emotions is, is the it same, is. right? That like, if we can actually do these, even 10 minutes a day of just like check-in, our capacity to handle bigger, more, more sustained, maybe even like deeper, longer term hurts and you know, all of those things that, that show up in our life uh, it makes it more manageable in a way, but to just go from, you know, zero to 60, that's, that I feel like is, is, is where we all like, we get real scared or I'll say I get real scared and then it comes out sideways and I don't know how to manage it. And then I feel overwhelmed and anxious and, you know, it's, I, I feel like it, it becomes a bigger challenge. So I, I don't think it's an all or nothing like, you know, uh, we, we posed it to feel or not to feel, but there are some things that uh, require um, measurement. You mentioned capacity, and I think there's a piece of it that is your own emotional capacity, but then it's also what else are you responsible for in a day? You know, if right. you're a mother or a father mm. and you have children and you're working, and where, when can you feel, and how can you feel, and how much can you feel? become very different when you're responsible for, for so many other things. And, and so, and um, you know, so how, if, if you don't feel those things, you're not going to be at your best in all of those areas as well. So where's the balance and how do you live your life in the way that you need to live your life and also feel what you need to feel? Are you all familiar with the invitation? Yeah. There's the one that's, that, uh, you know, like, I want to know if you can wake up after a night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone and still do what needs to be done to feed the children. Mm. And yeah. I, I really like just, yeah, the, the balance of like being able to like, you know, fall apart and like feel all the things and also like still do what needs to be done to feed the children, whatever that means in your life. And I used yeah. to, I used to think it was like a bad thing that I could like, kind of compartmentalize and like switch off 
the feelings as needed. Um, but I've, I've more recently like come to realize that I don't, I don't actually think it's a bad thing. I think it's like a convenient and, <laughs> um, like it just very helpful ability. It doesn't always work, but like, <laughs> Sometimes I think it really makes sense to just say like, okay, I'm going to just save that for later and like, you know, go to this party or like have this, you know, day of work and then like know that I can revisit the emotions when it makes more sense to do that. It's almost like it maybe instead of calling it compartmentalizing is like setting boundaries with your own emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think it's a lot of um, this idea for me about a, a lot of our emotions just come from our thoughts. Like we have a thought about something and when we have that thought about something, we have an emotion around that thought. So, you know, you can either just kind of stuff it away and turn your face away from that thought or you could actually change the thought, like how you actually look at something as being sad or as being frustrating or as being you know, you can, that's what I do when I, when I, to manage, or when you say, do you have to feel all the feelings or not? I don't think you have to, because I think a lot of our feelings that are quote unquote negative or away on us are just our viewpoint, are just our thought process around that, that then makes us feel a certain way. So how many times can we catch ourselves being in a state that's not so lovely and then look at our thought around why that's not so lovely and just accept it. And then it goes away. I do that so often now. Like if there's something that comes up and I'm sad about it or I'm frustrated or I'm angry, I look at my thought that I'm having around it and think, well, do I have to be mad at that person? Like, what is their story? Or do I have to be frustrated with the situation? Or can I just accept that it's what is? And then often I don't have the bad feeling anymore. So that's, how I kind of manage to feel or not to feel. Yeah, it's the inquiry into like what's actually going on there. Is this, is this thought a true thought? That's one of the reasons why I resonate with the nonviolent communication framework of just getting out of the thoughts and assumptions and just all these ideas we have about other people and shrinking it down to just here's what I'm feeling and here's the underlying need that I have that's either being met or not being met. And then I get to move from, from there instead of dancing around in, in someone else's story or someone else's narrative. It's hard for me to do that in the moment, I find, just bring it back to it in an earlier part of this conversation, but it's even helpful afterwards for sure. Um, honestly, related to this, one of the, the steps of nonviolent communication once you get through, uh, here's what I'm feeling, here's the underlying need, is this sort of action step. And at least in the NVC world, some of the action can be just asking someone like, if they're understanding what, what you're saying, how do they feel hearing this, these kind of validating questions. Some of them it might be an actual action of like, would you be willing to, to change this or do this? Or maybe ourselves, like, oh, I'm not satisfying this need. Am I willing to change something for me? I'm curious when, um, when we're feeling something, when we think action is necessary or when non-action is necessary. And I'll put also in slightly other words, because um, I do think deciding not to act can be acting, right? So when is non-action proactive? When is non-action passive? When we're feeling unresolved in something, when is it helpful to 
have a conversation we might be uh, uh, avoiding, you know, being proactive with that, or um, kind of feeling the resolve in ourselves and getting a sense of like, oh, having a conversation with someone isn't required here. Okay, what about this example? Um, like someone that you went on a few dates with a long time ago texts you like a year later just to like start a conversation. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that came to mind, but I think just that when Jerem when Justin was saying like, do I need to engage in this conversation or not? Like my, I have this like, you know, sort of like courteous instinct to be like, like, you know, like acknowledge that like this person is like showing up in my life and like wants to say hi. Um, but I also like have a really strong desire in most cases to just not engage. Um, <laughs> so yeah, maybe that, maybe that's like a, a smaller example of something that the, the like intentional not engaging um, feels way better to me in most cases <laughs> like that. And how do you know when it's intentional non-engaging versus avoiding something? Because if you're avoiding something, you can still be thinking about it and say like, you know, it's more, if, if you, even if you didn't uh, acknowledge that it's more comfortable to be avoiding it, you know, you could still convince yourself that it was intentional, right? Yeah, like, so like what's happening for you around this period of deciding? Are you, is, is it something that you're going over and over and over again and taking the action of what would be able to clear something up for you or or are you able to just decide this is i'm going to not respond and then move on from it mm. uh, Ste stephanie stanton who uh big fans of stephanie stanton check her out uh one of her comments was uh, she believes action from negative feelings is rarely helpful and in, instead like sitting in the inquiry is, is the best action to take like just being becoming curious about it um and i i i i, I agree with that I, I think getting to the practice of that space is 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 a wonderful space to to take where it becomes an intentional you understand what your motivations would be in both in all directions and then you you make the best choice that that is for you and that could be avoiding it could be uh, putting it off for a little bit. It could be making an intentional decision to not deal with it at all, or it could be responding back with a very assertive statement, just using, you know, the, you know, previous, previous dating partner, right? Is, is it could just be something that simple as like, I will respond to this, but it's just not going to be right now. I think it's also helpful to look at like, what's the outcome that you're attached to mm. and how is that impacting your choice? And so if you're, locked into like if you're kind of um frozen and knowing how to act is it because you're really hoping to drive a specific outcome whereas going well what in this situation do i have control over and um how can i take action in a way that i feel good about mm. even if that action is inaction I, I was noticing that exact tendency recently and um what was helpful for me inspired by my by my new therapist was um to be radically honest, like radically honest with the motivation behind sharing or not sharing. Mm -hmm. And um, I've even used the nonviolent communication model 
in exploring that, like if I take the hypothetical of, we'll use the, and Julie's example, if I write back to this person, how will that feel for me? Like, how does it feel right back right now to respond? And what needs am I satisfying by, by, by taking that action? And then looking at if I don't take action, what needs do I have am I satisfying there? And so recognizing that we're satisfying different needs with different actions, and then we get to figure out um, what, like, what needs are we satisfying that are more aligned with our own values and our sort of you know, core, core values. Because I might have a need at the moment to be, uh, to be comfortable. You know, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I have this desire to, to be comfortable. So not responding is just letting me satisfy that particular need. But then if I think about responding and say taking action, there might be some, um, um, I don't know, needs that are just more aligned with, with who I am that it would satisfy. I think what's also interesting is that sometimes the, sometimes the more avoidant act is engaging in the conversation um, as a way of just kind of like appeasing like potential discomfort or like, mm. you know, being like being polite um, rather than like genuinely like acting on what what you ultimately want in the long run or like what what feels better to you you might just like take the easy way out by actually engaging in a conversation right if you're conflict avoidant right yeah. or you know you don't you don't want to set a boundary with that person and you just want to want to placate the situation right that would be that would be an example of that mm -hmm. And remembering in every moment we have choice, right? So I, I, I've, um, it's been an interesting practice for me to try to let go of things I feel obligated to attend or respond to, or as you know, Julia, as you said, like just do things because I wanna be polite or to be more accurate, I want people to see me as someone who is polite. So I'll operate like this. And um, it's been a recent mantra of, of mine to say, let me be so honest with myself, no matter um, like, like the outcome to me or the outcome to, to others, you know, where if being honest with myself causes me discomfort and, and pain, let me be honest anyway. And if I'm honest with someone else and that, you know, might cause, uh, might be a, a catalyst for some discomfort and pain, let me be honest anyway. And some of that might be being honest to myself around all right, I'm not going to engage right now, despite the fact that I really want to, because I want this person to see me in a particular light or want, at least that you said, a particular outcome or just attached to anything that's beyond being true to ourselves right now. Um, any, um, I guess, final thoughts on this topic that is worth, worth mentioning so we can feel uh, the most complete? Well, I'll say something that's been really nice, uh, been part of this new new men's project that Jeremy was my intro to called Unshakable Man, part of the Everyman Project or Partners with Everyman. So giving a little plug for those two things. And I love that each time I've joined in like a group conversation and group coaching call, uh, it's a bunch of like pretty manly dudes. And they say, however you sh you're showing up right now is all fine. Uh, like you can be messy, anxious, nervous. There's no right or wrong way to do this except to show up as you. And when I think about to feel or not feel, I think if I give myself permission to do that more in life, I will likely be more at peace with myself, more content. And if I surround myself with people 
who I feel safe with, even encouraged to show up like that, then um, I don't know. Those are the people that I that I want to be around. You know, so I think even just knowing when we feel safe to just share and say, this is what I'm feeling. I may not even understand the feeling. I may not even know why this is just what's going on for me um, to feel safe enough to do that. And then to notice when we don't feel safe enough to, to do that, I think are just really important inputs in terms of how we're showing up, um, who we surround ourselves with. And enough, the more we just show up in our feeling body, I think uh, the more content we will be. Well, I guess before we officially sign off, uh, thank you to everyone who's watching on Facebook, if you're still watching. Appreciate the, uh, the views, the interactions, the hearts, the uh, comments. Um, and if you haven't liked Skillful Warriors yet, please do. If you're feeling inspired by these kind of conversations and wanna stay in touch with uh, more offerings, individual coaching, group coaching, like please just share Skillful Warriors. We are growing and it's, uh, we have some nice things on the very near horizon. And it's all very exciting. Um, so lastly, also thank you to Julia and Megan Mack, our veteran panelists for, uh, for joining us. And curious if you have anything you wanna say or anything you want to support and uh, plug before we, before we end our time together. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for being um, cool. I don't even know if you are cool with the, the traffic sound, but thank you for pretending that you are. Um, I. <laughs> I run a eco retreat center in Western Maine. I'm a forest therapy guide and a Maine guide. And so if you're looking for a getaway, um, you can visit our nurture through nature website, ntnretreats.com. Thanks so much for having me um, a part of this conversation. I really, it's so valuable. I really appreciate it. A final plug for ourselves and myself, Justin, and of course, Lisa and Jeremy. We are the Skillful Warriors, so please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website will be live uh, very soon. Um, we are all coaches, so if you're interested in coaching, please reach out to us for a free intro call, and we'll set you up with whichever one of us feels the most aligned, and we love, yeah, we love having just real conversations, so please stay in touch. 